0: You are now listening to The Nosebleeds with your hosts, Corey Johnson and Kush Parikh. Be sure to check us out weekly every Monday and Thursday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media on Twitter at the underscore nosebleeds. That's K-N-O-W-S bleeds. Also on Instagram at the Nosebleeds. And on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash the noseweeds. Face all your fears think it at me. It's so many donuts on back streets. Sit so high in the nose, please Feel
1: like I can fly. yo what up everybody welcome back to the nosebleeds podcast that's k-n-o-w-s bleeds it's
0: your boy
1: what up y'all it's kush and i'm here with my co-host mr Corey johnson how you doing Corey? always good to be
0: here and y'all already know what time it is it's time for the nosebleeds so stay tuned strap in and let's get it
1: let's get it we had a crazy week last week monday new week But today, June 8th, on this day in sports history, we had, in 2002, the French Open, women's tennis, Serena Williams wins her first French title, beating her older sister, Venus Williams. Take a listen.
2: What a great point to end it. And baby sis has finally won.
0: Yeah. Just what a moment. I mean, like you have to think about like one of the greatest sibling rivalries, I guess you could say in like sports history could be like Serena versus Venus. Um, But just Serena, I think kind of elevated herself as becoming one of the most dominant and iconic sports figures out there. And uh, her kind of surpassing Venus in a way sort of amplified that not only in like the tennis world, but even above and beyond that.
1: Yeah, this was uh, Serena Williams second grand slam. And she went on to win 21 more after this. Uh, actually right after this, uh, she played Serena Williams in the U S open where she beat Venus Williams in the finals as well. And that gave her the number one seed in the tennis world. All right, let's hop straight into sports. We have some major, major, major news. uh, Breaking news, breaking news. MLB, the MLB had just sent the MLB Players Association a proposal after they had originally rejected the 114-game regular season proposal that the Players Association had sent them. So here's a little rundown of the MLB's proposal. It's a 76-game season, so they they want more games like the players association but it's a 75 pro rata salary with 50 percent coming in the regular season and 25 percent additional salary if the AE's players play in the postseason there's no direct draft pick compensation so that helps free agency more incentive to get a deal done with teams and then actually 10 playoff teams rather than the 14 playoff teams that were originally discussed and um Basically, comparing the last offers that were on the table to this new offer, the original offer of the 82 games, player receiving about $1.03 billion in salaries and $200 million in playoffs. Um, This current offer, now players are receiving $989 million in salary with a $443 million in playoffs. Um, And then obviously, the no direct draft pick compensations. So... What are your thoughts on this new proposal, Corey?
0: So initially I thought that this was gonna be a decent offer that would allow the the negotiation process to somewhat start to pick up some speed and then get a deal on the table that both sides can agree upon. But evidently that doesn't seem to be the case because reports are claiming that the MLB players association thinks that this new offer is worse than the original offer because of it being so that although not so much of a a heavy chunk of their money is going to be getting cut. Unlike the original offer, it all it's very much dependent on if you make it into the playoffs. So you could, still retain 75 percent of your salary only if you make it into the postseason so if if you're on the wrong end of not making it into the postseason you're liable to miss out on getting that salary and also if you're a player you always are taking into account why would i risk my health the safety of my family and the safety of my loved ones and friends by going out in playing when I don't know if the league will financially have me secure and financially has my best interest and is trying to make sure that I'm okay. How can I then in turn think that they are going to at all be concerned about my physical health?
1: Right. And I think the big issue here is the whole salary prorated thing. And players obviously want their full prorated salaries, but and are not reported to not be settling for less. That's the fine line. It's either the 100% or nothing. And the players want the regular season to go from uh, all the way through October and playoffs in November. But the way the MLB is looking at it is they don't want to give players that full pro because if another, they fear that another wave of coronavirus will hit and there may not be a postseason. And to be quite honest, the postseason is where the MLB gets their most viewership and makes their most money. So they're looking at more of a let's secure the postseason money first before we just, you know, give them all their money right there. And the MLB wants the season to go from September and the playoffs to be in October because they expect the second wave to hit in November. So, I mean, the NHL, the NBA are expected to return soon. So what what does MLB and the MLB Players Association need to do to get the show on the road and to get a season going?
0: I think what they kind of need is to be honest with themselves and to be honest with each other because obviously the players they want to make sure that their salary is is legit and secure and they don't want the MLB to be tampering with that and pretty much making it sort of quid pro quo like if you make it into the playoffs then you're going to get reap all the benefits for it which is understandable because in these times you don't really know if you can guarantee Um, all your focus is going to be 100% on the competition at hand because there's so many outlying factors that are going on right now that are making you kind of not fully committed. I I should say like something like some players, even in the NBA, in the NHL, some players have legitimate concerns that they are not sure if they want to play. And it's, not being reported as far as like names wise who these players are, but I can completely 100% agree and understand why am I putting myself at a risk? Just what? So that some people can be entertained and be distracted. Like what about my health? What about my safety? What about my family? What about my friends? And it just doesn't seem like a lot of people are taking that into account, not just with MLB, but sports across the board. And so I think that they have to, for, for this to pick up speed and for this to get going they have to be able to uh, come to an agreement that is not just beneficial to the MLB, that is not just beneficial to the Players Association, and it's not just beneficial to the fans. Just so it's like, okay, we got to put a product out there so that every, so that the fans are happy. But you want to be able to put out the best product and a product that's representative of your fan base and your fan base can be proud of. Because so many different times, um, just, just outside of uh, this season, but throughout the past few years people have always complained about like baseball's not doing enough to connect with fans baseball's not doing enough to grow their sport and so you see how the nhl and the nba are recognizing that okay we have to finish this season we have to do something in order to get this going and it's kind of been like a swift move by both the players association and those leagues to get things underway but of course with the MLB, it's a totally different story. So it's just all dependent on what does each side want and what does each side willing to compromise on.
1: Well, I think if you're Major League Baseball right now, you cannot. Forward to not have a season it would be a huge detriment to the sport and it will be hard to recover from exactly like what you said the MLB is already taking a hit the NFL is number one watch sport in America and it, it will remain that for as long as we can think of and then the NBA like you said is taking huge strides to becoming a globally iconic sport and one of the most popular sports in America right now and they're doing a great I think this is the biggest key is they're doing a great job in attracting The younger generation and they already have the older generation with them and that speaks volume on the route that the NBA is going if you think about it ESPN is airing high school regular season basketball games that just goes to show the sport of basketball is huge right now and unfortunately Major League Baseball is not on the same path because it has a huge following from the older generation but being America's national pastime but they haven't really been successful integrating the younger generation to watch their sports there. Cause obviously like we talked about in previous episodes, us now with the social media era, with the phone era, it's our attention spans are smaller than peas. So in the MLB, the game just isn't integrated to uh, shorter attention span. So,
0: and I think, I think, have you, uh, have you heard of a, there's this, uh, this YouTube channel called a uh, John boy media. Mm-hmm. And, pretty where much he breaks what, down, yeah, yeah where you break yeah yeah and so he breaks down different things not even like uh like it's not always like a pitcher versus a batter or it's not ev- everything that has to deal with the game sometimes it's like a fan doing something silly in the crowd that he saw mm-hmm. or something you know crazy that happened a game within a game sort of thing and there's so many different things and so many different elements and you have to wonder why doesn't baseball or why doesn't MLB take John Boy Media or other YouTube channels and, and, and and partner up with them and work with them and be willing to um, promote them. So that way you can gain better traction with the younger audience, because with John Boy Media and with other uh, different platforms uh, and different uh, social media, uh, baseball affiliates, they, they the way that they connect with the younger generation is by using light humor and by, just just doing things that make the game fun and make things look fun. And so many times, like, there was a campaign last year, Let the Kids Play, but so many different times, it MLB kind of fell back into their old track, which is the unwritten rules and make sure that you uh, – you're not trying to show up the batter. Uh, show up, you know, you're not trying to show up the batter by celebrating a strikeout, or you're not trying to show up the hitter by celebrating a home run with a bat flip or staring at uh, staring at it. Like I remember, uh, Max Muncie just hit a big time home run off of Bum-Garner. Madison Garner. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he and then Garner's like, "Hey, get get start running across the bases," and and Max Muncie's like like why don't you go get that ball out the water bro <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: so and to so and so what stuck. you're saying about the john boy thing it's like little videos like that of him breaking down you know that like lip reading each and every one of those it's something as simple as micing up the players exactly something see, as simple as that
0: because that's what people want they want to get those they want to get that though, They, they people the live for those perspective yeah they live for the players perspective. they also live for those tense moments in a game or those crucial moments in a game where um, it go, goes back to the Jose Batista incident where mm-hmm. he a fight and it sparks out this huge brawl with the Texas Rangers and the Toronto Blue Jays. So th- just things like that fans would love to see. Fans would love to get an inside track on uh, what the players were like saying to each other and what sparked that fight. And I think that would be something that would be really tremendous for MLB. But the first things first, got to have a season in order to get the game going. So they have to be able to negotiate and find some common ground. Otherwise, they're going to be on the outside looking in as the NFL, the NBA, and the NHL continue to go ahead with their seasons. And they're on the back burner wondering, how do we not allow ourselves to you know, get a deal done here? And we're missing out on not only revenue, but fans are going to be disappointed and we're not growing the game either.
1: Not even, like just, this is the, the biggest moment to attract fans. Like if you think about it, this is the time to integrate those new fans. Look at it. People, 5 million people tuned in to watch Tom Brady play golf and Peyton Manning play golf. Yes. Those are big names, but if something of that matter, which golf is a very slow paced and quiet paced game, if something like that can draw on 5 million views, what do you think baseball is going to draw in if it's being the first sport to finally get back, get their stuff back on the road, like major sport in America. So, I mean, they got to step up to the plate right now and take advantage of this situation because I was reading some statistics and MLB viewership was only up 1% from July, 2019. And that's, I hate to say, but that's just not going to cut it for the MLB. Yeah.
0: And you know, so many different people have solutions and have talked about, um speeding up the game and stuff like that but i think what it's more about is people are willing to sit through a 3 hour or 4 hour game as long as they're not reminded that hey it's been 3 hours it's been 4 hours mm-hmm. and you know the, the game is scoreless or uh, or let's say for instance if somebody has like a no hitter or something going on or let's say for instance somebody has uh, a hit, uh, a hitting streak that they're, they're they're trying to keep going. Those type of things need to be magnified to the umph degree because with a game like baseball, like how we mentioned that it's slow pace at times, you have to just find those little intricacies, game within a game that you can heighten up to the max. And it's almost it reminds me of Gus Johnson. Gus Johnson makes every, Mm -hmm. for those who don't know, Gus Johnson, world-renowned broadcaster, he makes everything that he covers a big moment. And you're wondering, like, yo, like, chill out. It's only, like, the first quarter (laughs) or it's only, like, the first half. Like, this dude is hyped like it's the fourth quarter and somebody just hit a buzzer beater or something like that. So that's what baseball needs for every at-bat. For every at-bat. They need something to to heighten it up to – to 100.
1: Yeah, Gus Johnson's the goat in my eyes. I remember he commentating one of the Madden games. I forgot which Madden it was, but that was by far my favorite Madden of all time. Just because he commented he made it so fun to play the game. But yeah, speaking of Madden, actually, I'm glad that you brought that in. Let's move on straight to the NFL. Um, obviously, with everything that's happened in the past week, it's been a very, very hectic week. So, but on Friday to end the week, uh, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell basically came out with a video admitting that the NFL has poorly and wrongly dealt with NFL player protests of police brutality and a systemic racism over the past few years. He had a little statement. He said so. Take a listen.
2: It has been a difficult time for our country, in particular, Black people in our country. First, my condolences to the families of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and all the families who have endured police brutality. We, the National Football League, condemn racism and the systematic oppression of Black people. We, the National Football League, admit we were wrong for not listening to NFL players earlier and encourage all to speak out and peacefully protest. We, the National Football League, believe Black Lives Matter. I personally protest with you and want to be part of the much needed change in this country. Without Black players, there would be no National Football League. And the protests around the country are emblematic of the centuries of silence, inequality, and oppression of Black players, coaches, fans, and staff. We are listening. I am listening. And I will be reaching out to players who have raised their voices and others on how we can improve and go forward for a better and more united NFL family.
1: Corey, after hearing what Roger Goodell just said, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Well, I think that it reminds me of what Isaiah Thomas from was saying during the Last Dance documentary about how the Pistons when they walked off, and they were they were losing to the Bulls uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals, and they pretty much already kind of knew, like, okay, the series is over. And but instead of shaking Jordan in the Bulls' hands, they were like, "Well, I mean, like, we're not shaking their hands." And they just walked off the court and just went, you know, to the to the locker room. And Isaiah justified that by saying. Well, Bird and McHale and the Celtics did the same thing to us. So that's just the way things was back then. Like you just walked off the court after you lost. Like it, it just, you didn't always shake hands. And Jordan's whole thing was like for the past, what, two, three years, I shook you guys' hands. You know, my point is, is that it's easy to look back at something and and say, because Isaiah now is saying that like, oh, if if we would have known that like, uh, you know nowadays oh yeah we would have shook their hands and we would have been like oh yeah good game good game but it's easy to say that now versus when 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 4 years ago with the NFL when everything was going on the reason that they decided to come at the protest so hard was because their main constituency the the main core fan base were complaining about it 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 reminds me of how with Howard Stern, everybody talks about like how how Howard Stern is like this controversial evil person and he's like a terrible guy. But the main thing is is that he would get in trouble so much because somebody complained. <laughs> if nobody's complaining about something, or if everybody was in support of the protest, of course the NFL would have been like, yeah, we would have been fine with it. We've been fine with it. But what are you gonna do when your money is on the line? What are you gonna do? when your main constituency or your 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 fan base is saying that, hey, we don't like what we're seeing on the screen. And they were already dealing with the fact that Kaepernick was out of the league and a certain amount of people were saying that they were going to boycott until uh, Kaepernick gets back. And now they're having to deal with the anthem protests. Now people are saying that I'm going to boycott until they stop those anthem protests. So you're getting from both sides mm-hmm. of the perspective, people are upset at you. And it's just that they felt as if, Okay, if we can control the 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 protests and we can somewhat put in maybe a policy in place or try to you know get that to 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 stop, we can somewhat find a solution. But overall, man, I just think that right now is the time where you're going to see a lot of people who are going to come out and say certain statements. They're going to come out and make uh, supportive statements about how we need to do this, we need to do better, we need to um, support these different groups or we need to uh, change the way we think or whatever the case may be. But it's like you said about Drew Brees, actions are going to speak louder than words. And so with the NFL, I think people are, are waiting for them to truly show, okay, we are in support of this. And if you're not, then I, I, I've always been be genuine and don't try to lie to me. So if you're not for uh, supporting the social justice movement, if you're not for uh, supporting, you know, anything of that nature, then don't be disingenuous about it and try to come out with a statement and try to be like, okay, guys, we're the good guys. We're, we're, we're on the same page. We're on your team. We're not trying to be uh, evil or we're not trying to be disingenuous at all. But I've always just been be honest. If, if, if you're not, if you're not trying to, 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 to be a part of it, then don't don't try to switch up four years later.
1: Yeah, I think Roger Goodell coming out, you know, it, it's good to see the NFL commissioner coming out and taking leadership of that. But I I definitely think there's a huge difference from Roger Goodell and the former commissioner, who's Paul Taglebu, and he was kind of seen as more of a lenient commissioner who was more on the players' association side, and that's why the NFL owners weren't really a fan of him, and they brought in Goodell to give the owners more of a voice. And that's why, if you look at it now, Goodell is viewed more as a villain in the NFL, and not a lot of people like him. They'd probably say he's one of the worst commissioners in sports. But I think – and that that's why I think also Roger Goodell may have signed his last CBA agreement in March. But by him taking a stand with the players, it could make things right with him and his, his resume as an NFL commissioner and, you know, not – end on a note rather than being solely known as an NFL villain. But one thing I did have a problem with his statement is he didn't, he failed to mention Kaepernick and the kneeling situation. Like that's, that's a huge thing that has to, that combines the black lives matter movement with the NFL. Like that's the main bridge right there. And he failed to address either of those situations. And that, I think that's because Goodell and the owners know that Kaepernick or they cost Kaepernick his career because they actually misunderstood what he was actually doing and standing for. But here they are now agreeing with everyone saying that, you know, Black Lives Matter, this is the movement, but yet they have forgot to mention his name or even owe him an apology. We're still waiting on that. And I think with with these statements, you know, Kaepernick, a lot of people are saying like, this won't be due justice until they see Kaepernick potentially get another chance in the NFL. And I know we talked about this before, but, What are your stands now with Roger Goodell coming out? Do you think Kaepernick has – whether he chooses to play or not to play, do you think he has a chance in the NFL?
0: It all depends on the owners because, like, we – you haven't heard Jerry Jones. You haven't heard any of, like, the core owners come out and really make any sort of statement. Now, the only time – the only time that the owners and players came together – And every NFL organization across the board collectively took a knee and was protesting was when Donald Trump made his statements uh, about uh, the NFL protests and stuff like that. So to me, this whole thing has been because, and, and look, I personally don't feel as if the owners have have responsibility to necessarily have to um in, invest money into black lives matter or any of the social injustice groups unless they unless they that that's something you want to do i would never i will never tell another man what he should do with his money i will never tell another person what they should do with their money and the thing is, also, is that people forget that the NFL uh, settled with Colin Kaepernick and and, and, and uh, Eric Reed. That's what it is. Yeah, they settled with Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed, and they also came to an agreement with Malcolm Jenkins and the Players' uh, Coalition about donating funds to different social and social justice uh groups and 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 giving i think like a hundred million dollars or something like that to to fighting against social injustice and my thing is that they didn't have to do that (laughs) i think people forget like they didn't have to do that at all they the, the the players coalition really didn't have a whole lot to come at the the owners with but you know sometimes you have to make, you have to be willing to negotiate and you have to be willing to uh, offer up something in order to appease your employee. So you have to give some sort of leeway. And that's what another thing that people keep forgetting is that while yes, the players are the product and the players are what people come to see, the owners control the means of operation. The owners control the lead. And so the players sometimes, like I get it, like, I, I, if you want to protest, that's cool. If you want to let your voice be heard, that's cool. But you have to understand, if you're doing that on your job, there's there that's a conflict of interest. Like, I can't just be at my job and decide that, oh, yeah, I'm going to protest. I'm, I'm just going to decide to protest while I'm at work. So, and I'm not going to ask the NFL players to do that because that's going to mess up their money, so, like I said um you have a decision that you have to make and you have a decision that you have to 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 come to when it regards this. Now if the the owners are willing to allow Kaepernick back into the league, are they gonna be okay with the the, the with the kneeling? Are they gonna be okay with the the protest during the anthem? Are they gonna maybe switch it up in instead of it being during the anthem, maybe they allow it before the anthem or maybe they give like a, you know how sometimes they'll do like a moment of silence when uh, somebody passes mm-hmm. away or something like that. Maybe they could have like a moment before every game where you, you just have uh, a moment of silence as far as uh, to, to, to bring awareness. Yeah. To bring awareness and to, for, for the players to give them that opportunity to shine light on for, for those who have been involved with, uh, police brutality and those who have been affected by social injustice and whatever the case may be, maybe you can do that. So that way you can, it doesn't conflict with those who feel like, okay, I don't want to see them doing it while it's, it's the anthem or it's the flag. So.
1: Well, I, I think, that's, I think that, that's, we, that's something that they got to work on. I think that we as a media should go straight to the NFL owners. Cause you really see that happening. And I think that's because Roger Goodell himself acts kind of as a bulletproof vest for these owners everything goes through roger goodell before it gets to the owners. so and that's why i think he's speaking on their behalf but as media we need to do due diligence and go straight to the owners and talk to them about it and so so we can actually get answers because i absolutely think he should get a chance in the nfl but i mean he should have always had a chance but now i think if the nfl does give him a chance it will be very opportunistic given the time and the situation of everything, which I think is a lose-lose situation for the NFL. Because if he doesn't get a chance, it's like, all right, we just did all this and you're still not realizing the big picture kind of a thing. And if they do give it, it'll be like, Oh, okay. It's just opportunistic. They're just, they're just giving right. it to yeah, them because yeah. of the situation. So mm-hmm. it's very, it's a very lose-lose situation for the NFL. And at the same time, it's like, as an NFL player, you can be, the 30th best quarterback, the 35th best quarterback or whatever, you're still a world-class athlete. So I'm I, being Colin Kaepernick, he is. I would love to see him back in action and playing at a high level, but the problem is he has lost four years of his career because of this whole thing. And if you look at the average NFL careers, are around three years. So, I mean, we're going to have to see if his time off field is detrimental to his performance. And I, I I was watching, um, I believe it was first take, and they were even talking about, potentially having him in the hall of fame Kaepernick, not because of what he's done on field because his numbers wouldn't be there but what he's done off field for the league itself for the community and all of that well, what do you think about that
0: um it's interesting that would that would be interesting i'm I'm not too familiar if like the hall of fame has had anything like that uh, well it, it'd uh, be based off of of the team.
1: the writers the writers are the voter so basically right. the media so that's why right it would be now I
0: know like it's different, like obviously like the Pro Football Hall of Fame is way different than uh the uh the Naismith Hall of Fame when it comes to basketball, because it seems like almost any prominent player gets into the Hall of Fame with basketball. Like right. if you were at at least like an all-star for a consistent few years, you're getting into the Hall of Except Fame. Except
1: Chris Weber. <laughs>
0: <laughs> whatever reason. But for but but anyway. Um yeah, um that that to me, if he was Put in the Hall of Fame, um, that'd be interesting. That'd be interesting. Cause I don't know how that would be necessarily like received. You know what I mean? Like you're putting a guy in the Hall of Fame who you blackballed, didn't allow back into the league, and pretty much dismissed him because of his actions and not his play. And I'm just wondering how it how would that be received? Would that be received as like you said the same thing with bringing him back into the league right now to play would that be received as like wow they they put him and they honored him and they they the nfl is recognizing that this is a big moment and that they can't just let this go by the wayside that they actually have to pay some level of respect to, to to kaepernick because he did bring up this issue or are they gonna just be like yeah um we're not going to do that. We're not going to allow him in
1: the Hall Well, of I feel like that would, because of what you just said about how hard it is to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame and how challenging it is, I think that would speak volume to the writers in the NFL itself, kind of as the ultimate apology for basically making him lose four years of his career. And the guy was playing, I mean, towards the latter stages, he wasn't playing amazing, but he still took the 49ers to a Super Bowl and he was still having a hell of a run during those playoffs. So, I mean, the guy could play. And if he has those four years back, who knows?
0: Now, I'll say this because um, there was a former NBA player and there have been NBA players that did something similar. They 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 protested during the anthem. Uh, there was this player uh, known as uh, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf who was blackballed from the NBA. And my thing is that he was a prominent player. Like he, some people say that he was probably Steph Curry before Steph Curry. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: And he's still balling in the big three.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, my thing is that if, if the NBA isn't willing to honor a guy like that, who pretty much, you know, he brought attention and awareness to the situation well before Colin Kaepernick, you know, came around and was more adamant about it was like, he, he was like, I'm not standing, you know, and he was calling America all types of things and saying, you know, this, this, that, and the third. If they're not, if the NBA isn't willing really to, to take a guy like that and apologize to him or pay respects to him or honor him, anything like that, then I de- I don't, I'm just going to go out and say, like, I doubt the NFL is going to take Colin Kaepernick and, and do something like that. But again, I wouldn't be surprised. Because right now is the time where if you are not making some sort of statement or if you are not coming out in support of uh, of what's going on or if you're not denouncing racism, you're kind of being looked at a certain way as a brand and 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 celebrities and and famous athletes as well. So I think that it would be a, a good chess move for the NFL to do it, but ultimately the the onus comes on what the what what do what what would it mean for the NFL if they if they did something like that to honor Colin Kaepernick. I, I think that the best thing you you could maybe hope for is if like they decided to make a statue of him or something like that. If they wanted to To maybe like the 49ers, if they decided to like put his statue outside the arena or something like that. So I don't know. It, 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 uh, again, it really just depends on what the NFL wants to do because, like you said, there's no really win win scenario for them. It's a lose lose no matter what they do at this point because everybody's gonna be like, oh, so you guys decided to put Colin in the league now after everything that's going on, but before you were perfectly okay with him not playing. And if you continue to not allow him to be in the league, then people are still going to keep on complaining. Mm-hmm. I think regardless of what you do, people are going to complain. It just it doesn't matter what you do if you're the NFL, and that's why I think that um, not only has the onus now come on, just like. The 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 owners, but it's the whole league as a whole is being looked at with a big gigantic microscope. Right. And if you're not doing anything financially, if you're not doing anything social media wise, or you're not speaking up at all about what's going on, pretty much on Twitter and all all these different social media platforms, in the court of public opinion, the NFL is looking as being complicit with the status quo
1: right and you're viewed as an enemy per se exactly
0: exactly so
1: right and I I mean with this whole Kaepernick movement him taking a kneel I mean it's spreading it across the entire league Adrian Peterson just came out saying that he's for sure gonna kneel this upcoming season he said without a doubt he's gonna do it and he expects a lot of NFL players to join him um so he, I mean we're talking a lot about Kaepernick and I'm sure most of you guys know the situation but if you guys do not know in 2017 Kaepernick kneel during the national anthem protests about racial injustice and since Kaepernick has not been has been without a job in the NFL which because many thought he was disrespecting the flag and the veterans so but then the NFL adopted a policy in 2018 basically requiring players to stand during the anthem or if they don't want to then they can stay in the locker room but it was later nullified uh, after an agreement with the NFL Players Association so I mean back to Roger Goodell's statement he didn't make any statements about kneeling or the National Anthem and Adrian Peterson said that him and many others are going to be kneeling during the National Anthem this upcoming season so what are your thoughts on that
0: uh I feel like a player like AP coming out and saying that he doesn't really have a whole lot to lose like he's already at the tail end of his career you know what I mean like I'd be very much intrigued to see if Adrian Peterson Vikings rookie or maybe like his first few years into the NFL would he be so adamant in this in making this statement because it's easy to you know say something or do something when you have literally nothing to lose but
1: I wouldn't say he has nothing to lose because the guy uh, right, right. is obviously... I don't want to make
0: it seem like he, he has nothing to lose, but I'm just saying like he's at the tail end of his career. I get like that, he's, but at the same time, it's like
1: so. he's going to go down as one of the greatest running backs to ever play the game, and he, has, sure. and he hasn't broken all those records yet. So, I mean, he still has, like, obviously, if he, he breaks those records, he may be considered the greatest running back of all time. So I wouldn't say he has nothing to lose, but I, I get what you mean. Continue.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would just... Trying to say that he's at the tail end of his career; he's not in his prime anymore as an athlete. But, um, but yeah, like you said, he could still potentially break a ton of those records. But I guess my my thing is with uh, with Adrian Peterson and with different players that are going to start kneeling is understand that once you make this decision, there is no going back, and you pretty much are telling the owners we are going to defy the agreement that we already put into place and already put in order, we're going to defy this and we're going to kneel and we're going to protest and we're going to go back and and, and pretty much do uh what we were were doing when Colin was in the league and after he had left. But um uh, I guess what's what's interesting to me is the the difference and in, in, in comparison because Aaron Foster, he had said that originally he was in a group chat with several other other players when this whole thing was kind of first starting out. And there was a lot of people that he was saying they didn't want to do it. They didn't want to take a knee. They didn't want to to protest. And so he he kind of felt like, like, well, like, why not? Like, his whole thing was like, why would you not want to protest? So I guess, like, my thing is, is like with players doing this, I have no problem with them, with them, with them protesting. I have no. Let me be clear. I have no problem with NFL players or any athlete protesting or letting their voice be heard or anything of that nature. But I'm just saying, beware of the consequences of your actions, because as we always mention on the show, like there are consequences for what you say and what you do. If you decide that you are going to yell fire in a crowded building, there are consequences for doing that. So if you decide that you're going to defy an agreement that you already set in place and an agreement with the owners, your business partners, as some of them would say, people love to, uh, the players say that they're quote unquote business partners. So if you're, if you're, trying to now say that you're going to pretty much uh, just get rid of the agreement that you have with your quote unquote business partner. It's almost in a way, not a beneficial situation for the league, but who knows, maybe this will draw in more viewership. Maybe this will cause uh, more controversy and that could lead to more butts in the seats or more people tuning in because as they say, good any publicity is good publicity. So I, I'm not sure if if this is going to necessarily be a bad thing for the league or for the players, but it'll be intriguing to see how what the ramifications will be as far as what takes place when this happens. Because when this originally started up, the NFL responded to what their fan base was saying. And their fan base uh, was saying that they didn't want to see the kneeling they don't they don't want politics in football they want to keep things separate and they want to just see football and they just want to see players play so we'll see how it goes
1: yeah i'm 100 percent in agreement with you i think that there should be no controversy about taking the kneel but and if there is i believe it's just pure ignorance because of everything that's been going on and you're quote unquote supposed to have the freedom of speech with your first amendment but that's always a very makeshift amendment um (laughs) because i mean i guess when people speak out sometimes it's there's still repercussions so i mean and especially since we have a big orange in the white house or i should say hiding under the white house as he did before he's i mean he's already questioning goodell might allow the kneeling and is still considering it disrespect he's not seeing the big picture so i wouldn't be surprised if there is still repercussions from the owners or whatever the case may be.
0: And that's just because you brought him up. um, Donald Trump played a huge role when when the protests first started. And to me, I think that the owners, regardless how they feel about it, we don't really honestly know how the owners really feel because I think that they're more so concerned because remember, Donald Trump could levy different sort of Mm -hmm. uh taxes on the owners and he could levy like different sort of policies on these guys to force their hand and i think that's what he was telling Mm -hmm. them if you don't nip this in the bud if you don't stop this if you don't get these players back in order quote-unquote um as uh the houston uh texas owner said don't have the inmates running the prison then I'm going to come after you and I'm going to come after you hard. So uh, McNair for, I think was the, the Texans owner. I think, I think his name is McNair. Um, So, but I think that's, what's going to happen. I think Donald Trump is once again, going to threaten not only the players, not only the owners, but it's going to threaten the NFL as an entire league that if you don't nip this in the bud, you're not going to listen to quote unquote reason, I'm going to come after you. I'm going to come after you hard and I'm going to force your hand and force you to have to make a decision on do you want to deal with me or do you want to deal with the folks on Twitter and get the backlash.
1: And that brings two points for me. One thing is that I think the media should hold the owners a lot more accountable and should be getting them to say more because if you think about it, we don't get any sound bites, any information, any like input or opinions from the owners themselves and obviously they're the ones that are basically running the league if you think about it without the owners obviously there's no NFL team without the NFL teams there's no NFL that's kind of a no-brainer but also I think another thing to bring up and I don't I don't like talk about solely politics but this is why it's so important to vote to, for, for office and that's why you got to get out there in the voting polls and if you really want to make a change that's where it starts
0: I just think that the 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 main thing is for me the the kneeling and the the protests are good, but I guess I'm just I'm just I'm I'm always been a solution a solution oriented person a, a solution oriented thinker and so I'm cool if you want to run the race like I'm cool running the race, but I I'm, I'm not I'm not somebody who wants to be a hamster just running on a hamster wheel, just running for the sake of just running, I want to understand like, okay, what's the goal? What's the end game? Where are we going? What's the finish line? What's the light at the end of the tunnel? What do the players want? What do they, they want to see happen? And I guess if I was an NFL owner, I guess I will be asking my players, what can I do As far as my role and my part outside of just giving you money, because I know you guys want me to give money and I know you want me to donate money, but what can I do outside of that that can help somewhat make us at least be cordial and at least work together? Because I'm not saying that they all have to be kumbaya and they have to like each other because this is still business at the end of the day, but how can we at least have a good working environment so that? we just are not just walking around uh hating each other and 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 just just having passive aggressive uh fights with amongst each other so i don't i'm not sure if the the owners are willing to to do something like that but if they did i think that would really show a, whole, a hell of a lot of uh growth by them and a, a maturity by them of wanting to get something going and, and, and trying to come to some sort of level of agreement so that they're not just pissing everybody off because the NFL for whatever. Well, I mean, when you're, when you're the league, the, the top sports league, everybody is going to be looking at you. And of course there's going to be different sides, no matter where uh, you stand and what your perspective is, but there, there's going to be someone who's going to get pissed off there's going to be someone that's going to be upset and there's going to be always somebody who's going to keep on saying the NFL is not doing enough. The NFL is not doing this. The NFL is just not being compliant with what I think they should be doing. So whatever the NFL decides, I think there's going to be somebody who's going to complain and going to be upset about it, but they have to make a decision and they have to come to some level of agreement. Otherwise they could be jeopardizing their their viewership and their fan base.
1: Yeah, and I think NFL players themselves have a big influence on that because I mean we're seeing them on commercials now of talking raising awareness about Black Lives Matter. But even before that, Roger Goodell himself said, said, "Without black people, there would be no NFL." So that that oh, yeah. I itself, mean, yeah. it's like I mean, it's seventy percent black people in the NFL, African American. Exactly. So I mean, they have a major influence and. I think they're finally starting to realize that, that it's, you know, bigger than sports itself and they can make a change. All right, now let's move on. We had some more big, big news on Saturday. Conor McGregor announced his retirement on Saturday, June 6th. Uh, Conor McGregor announced his retirement from fighting on Twitter for the third time. Uh, The former UFC featherweight and lightweight champion retired March 2016 after deciding not to travel to the U.S. to attend a news conference in his rematch versus Diaz. He eventually returned that summer and defeated Diaz um, in August. And then in April 2019, he retired while during negotiations with the UFC and then ultimately returned in January to defeat Tyrone. And McGregor basically just said, the game just doesn't excite me anymore. And now that with this whole pandemic, if there's no fans, there's no point in me fighting. He said, quote, I had my goals, my plans this season. I had everything laid out. They want to throw me up and down weights and offer me stupid fights. I don't really give a F. I'm over it. And then uh, ESPN interviewed USC's president, Dana White. And he said, nobody's pressuring anybody to fight. And if Conor McGregor feels like he wants to t- retire, you know my feeling about retire. You should absolutely do it. So, I mean, he also went on to say that, obviously, with this whole pandemic, people are getting restless. People are getting impatient with everything that's going on, that they just want to go back to a normal life. So what are your thoughts, and do you think that Conor McGregor is for real retiring this time, or it's just lip service?
0: So like you said, he's retired several different times before. And whenever you have an athlete that does that, retire unretire several different times um a la Michael Jordan that's that's the first that's the first and maybe you could uh, you could also say Brett Favre in there as well Mayweather uh, yeah yep Mayweather too you could always say that they do that because they feel as if they're either bored or they they feel like they've done everything that they possibly could or they, they they feel as if They don't have any more challenges. That's it. That's it. They don't have any more challenges that they need to accomplish. And so I think that Mayweather, since you brought him up chimed in and said like, Oh, pretty much you're, you're retired now. You, you, you're going to walk away from uh, us fighting again. And I guess he said that uh, apparently Conor McGregor said something to Mike Tyson about how he could uh, he could beat Mayweather, and so Mayweather's like, let's let's get it. Like I'm ready. I want to fight you again. And so pretty much goading him into unretiring and them scrapping for a second time, which I know people hated the 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 promotion for the first fight between those two, and they weren't too. There was a huge letdown. Yeah, they weren't really all that uh, excited about the results of the first fight. But I know for sure that those two could do numbers again. And I know for sure that people would tune in to see Mayweather-McGregor part two. But well, I, I, think, just think-
1: I think, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but I think, like you were saying about why people would retire, because the challenges. I, I also think it's potentially because the limelight isn't on them anymore they're moving the brand or whatever the, the league, whatever it is, is moving forward in a different direction. And they're feeling, Oh shit, I'm in the rearview mirror. Let me, let me stir up something so I can be back in the limelight. And maybe that's what McGregor is doing. And by Mayweather coming out, you know, it's stirring the pot again. And lo and behold, if they, he comes back and have their fights, both of them coming out of retirement being their last fight, if it is, then that, like you said, it's going to do numbers. And that's possibly what they can just be tricking us in doing.
0: I mean, like I said, whenever you have a person who retires, unretires, you, you, you can't really rule anything out because you've already seen that they are willing to come back, that they're willing to fight, and they're willing to, uh, to continue with their career. I guess when he, when he talks about like the limelight not being on him and the fans not being there, you can just tell. Like with certain guys, they feed off the crowd. They feed off that energy. There's something oh, yeah. about like when you enter uh, an arena or you enter a stadium full of fans and they're just going crazy, screaming at the top of their lungs and just and chanting your name, chanting your name, and they're you are the the guy that they are coming to see. It reminds me of like a concert when you're the headliner, when you're the 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 person that everybody is like. I can't wait to see them, this person come out. Like, yeah, all these other uh, acts are cooler. All these different um, uh, people that are performing are nice to see, but I came here to see uh, Conor McGregor. I came here to see Mayweather. Like,
1: I think a perfect example for that is in recent memory is the Wilder versus Fury fight. Those right? entrances that they made got the fans so stirred up but like in, in a crazy way. So to what you're saying you're exactly right
0: and and people don't understand like as far as fighters go that entrance for the 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 for those who don't understand that entrance and you coming out and you hearing the arena whether it's booze whether it's cheers you feed off that energy Mm -hmm. you need that energy because it pumps you up it starts to it's the fight before the adrenaline yeah yeah you get hyped up yeah
1: especially a guy like mcgregor who is probably one of the biggest shit talkers in sports history exactly it feeds off of that
0: yeah he needs that energy he needs that energy and if he's coming into an empty arena it's just not the same it's not the same at all and right. whether it was win lose or draw from mcgregor you knew that he was always going to give you a show that's for mm-hmm. sure even before the
1: fight in the conferences and everything exactly
0: you knew you knew it was going to be a a, a spectacular bit of entertainment that you were going to hear about going to tune in to see if you couldn't if you couldn't even pay for it or whatever you were going to want to see it just so you could be like holy crap conor mcgregor beat this dude in like less than 15 seconds or holy Mm -hmm. crap Mm -hmm. uh habib choked mcgregor
1: out and made him tap you know what i mean like well, I think that's why also Dana White is so hot cold with McGregor, because if you think about it, I don't care who you are, you're not dealing with a diva like McGregor. But the fact that this guy brings so many views to the sport and basically has built up this entire sport of mixed martial arts. It's I mean, you can't you can't be mad at him.
0: I think that Dana is not all that concerned because he's he's like i've been here done that exactly you know, he's, he's he's retired before he said he's done he's come back he's so in his mind he's already looking at the roster of fighters that he has and he's like i'm good the mm-hmm. ufc does not need conor mcgregor in dana white's eyes in order to keep on surviving would it be nice to have conor mcgregor headline a fight absolutely it's the same thing like uh, um like, for example, obviously this won't happen, but, like, if, if you had, like, a, a – like, because that's the thing. Fans love making up fantasy fights. And they love projecting who, who would be, like, a great fight, and especially, you know, that happens, like, with the UFC community. Like, if, if it was possible, if you could have, like, maybe, like, a John Bones Jones go up against a Conor McGregor, like, that would be so freaking crazy to see – because you got two of the guys who are going to talk trash to each other Mm -hmm. who are elite fighters, and the personalities, I think, would definitely be able to come at each other with it. And so I I think fans love that type of buildup, and they love the buildup, I think, just as much as they love the fight. And if they can't
1: be a part of the buildup, then it's almost like, dang, it's a
0: letdown in, in, in some capacity.
1: I mean, McGregor was supposed to fight at least three times this year, which he hadn't done since 2016. But obviously, he decided to retire due to the pandemic and his choosing to focus on his family instead of fighting. But if Conor McGregor were to come back, minus the Mayweather fight, if that happens, who would you see McGregor potentially fighting? And realistically, I think um, like maybe a Nate Diaz rubber match, or yeah, he would probably have, to have
0: he would probably have to have a fight that. Uh is a setup fight for him to fight Habib. Cause yeah. you know that's still gonna linger there. Cause cause with majority of the of the, the guys he's fought, uh he's come back if he's lost to him or if it was like you know a fight that did numbers, he's come back and fight them again. And I've always kind of held out like, yo, if he fights Habib again. I think it will do even bigger numbers because it's, it's round two. And so not only
1: that, also with all the fireworks that happened after exactly. the fight, and I think this before, is, more, yeah, than this, it, yeah, this is more than the sport itself. Now, now this is personal.
0: Exactly. It was, it was always personal. It was always personal for both of them. Cause uh, like, if you look at the, the the history between the two, like it, it could, if you were both of those guys, you could definitely see it as being personal because uh McGregor was, you know, talking trash about Habib uh and, and his family and, and where he comes from and his fate. And like he was just going in on the man. And so uh and Habib pretty much went at uh Connor's entourage, I guess you could say. And that's what you know caused Connor to damn near almost completely get himself kicked out of the UFC completely by uh throwing the dolly <laughs> through the the, the bus. Oh yeah. So, so, like, yeah, I mean, the, like, like to me, it has, it has like the UFC, the thing that it has going for itself, it, it has that WWE sort of vibe to it, but it's, you know, like guys are really getting hurt. Like guys are like, not to say like, you know, I don't want to do like a comparison or anything like that, but like it's, it's guys can literally get some vicious things happen to them in that octagon that it's like, holy cow, like this dude just got his freaking arm ripped off, or this dude almost got his head kicked off
1: his freaking body. Like, so yeah, no there's some gruesome injury, yeah, there's some
0: gruesome three. stuff that you see in the UFC. And I think that, like, but the build up to yeah, it,
1: I would do it for for that money, though. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if the money's right, I think a lot of people would be willing to get in there for like at least a couple of rounds, just yeah, to make for them, like,
1: sure. Well, I think, so. I think that's why the whole Mayweather McGregor thing is very realistic because. If you look at last time, Mayweather made $275 million, and McGregor made $130 million off of one fight, and losing, he made $130 million. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Everybody talked trash about him, but at the end of the day, so, so, I mean, if you can secure the bag, then I I don't see anything that... I I think that that's an incentive for you to go ahead and, and book that fight. But then again, like we don't know necessarily as far as promoting anything and getting anything together, I'm still waiting for a potential Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder fight. I don't know if that's going to happen. So, uh, like I said, the pandemic has kind of put things a little bit on hold and has kind of made everything a little bit mellowed out and kind of made sports – a. Kind of put sports on the back burner for a little bit because everybody's kind of so focused on themselves. And, yeah, and, and you know <laughs> what's going on with life. So I, I think if things calm down with the pandemic and, and, and if people are able to go to these events and you're able to get a crowd, maybe I, you get McGregor to come out of retirement and you get well, him to with well, a big time
1: fight. I don't know if you saw the video of Arash Markazi that he posted about Vegas being completely open. Did oh yeah, know?
0: yeah, I saw casinos were just completely open. And there
1: was probably, I would say, thousands of people in that video, and I literally saw three people wear a mask in that video. So <laughs> exactly. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear no bullshit about the protests causing coronavirus when you have these people. Nah,
0: man, like Vegas. it's not just the. It's not just the protests. People are ready to get up out the house, and they're which I don't blame They're sick and tired of, and yeah. tired of look no one wants to be treated like a little kid like where it's like oh you got to wear that mask or you got to make sure you're washing your hands and Mm -hmm. you you know stay at home or you got to be at home at like this certain time yeah like like,
1: bro i'm I'm, what 40 30 50 years old and i got a curfew like what is this shit i don't like
0: that exactly no one wants to hear that and so like uh especially you know like you said the 40 50 60 something year olds they don't want to hear that at all right so once things, I think, completely open up nationwide, worldwide, for sure. That's when I think things are really going to start picking up, and that might we'll really see if Conor McGregor is willing to come out of retirement. Because there are some guys who just don't know when to walk away; they right. don't know when this is he, my last he, he fight. You can't
1: even say he's like he's washed or anything either. Like he still no. got it.
0: No, he's look. He's a world class fighter. And right. When when you've attained that level of fame that level of stardom and you've reached that mountaintop to where you tweet out something and it's it's breaking news uh-huh. on on every show every podcast <laughs> everybody's talking about what you have to say Um uh, yeah he, you could honestly say that he really doesn't necessarily need to come back and fight the ufc um and really the ufc Is trying to build up, I think, another, not another Conor McGregor lookalike or anything like that, but just trying to build up another guy to become the face of the company because the turnover happens so quick Mm -hmm. with UFC. It -hmm. it reminds me so much of the NFL of how teams turnover. Well, outside of the Patriots, obviously, but like (laughs) the, the turnover, the turnover as far as like, dang, like you can't even get like teams to. To, to establish a dynasty like again outside the patriots how like how many teams have, were able to retain their core group of guys for a good long long uh while before they had to blow things up you just don't see that happen too long where guys are at the mountaintop of fighting and they're able to stay there their entire career
2: right Eventually,
1: the fall off happens and it's never pretty yeah you see that in all sports especially like in the nba as well like a lebron less playoff last year that was it didn't do due diligence when it came to viewership and the and the and uh you know the the broadcast revenue but that that's kind of something they have to prepare for towards the future i mean that's why they have zion williamson now and that's why they've been hyping him up as much as he is but yep any last words for the episode
0: just think that overall when the pandemic kind of falls off a bit it'll be interesting to see what everybody's going to be doing because it's it's easy right now while you know most people are out of work and uh kids are out of school to be able to you know do your protests or be able to go out and you know do whatever you got to do and you know just this is you know obviously summertime right now but when you get back into working or you get back into your old flow or you get back into that, you know, that routine, what is people going to do then? What What is the reaction going to be then? And are they going to stick with it? Or similar to how I'm thinking with Conor McGregor, are they going to come out of retirement and be like, yo,
1: I got to get this money. <laughs> right. And I think the biggest thing also, like more of a social aspect is, Yes, I get that we're impatient. Yes, that we're getting overwhelmed with this and we're we're just done, sick and tired of this. But at the same time, be cautious and still practice safety because health is above everything else. Exactly. Make sure you take care of yourself and always stay safe. Yes, sir. But that is going to do it for this episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, make sure you guys are following us on social media, Twitter at the underscore nosebleeds on Instagram, the nosebleeds, that's K-N-O-W-S bleeds. And on Facebook, just search up the nosebleeds podcast. Um, Spotify, Apple Music, if you're on Apple Music, or sorry, Apple Podcast, I should say. Um, be sure to give us a five-star rating. It helps us out a lot. And that is going to do it. We out. Deuces. See
0: y'all later. Again, stay safe. And remember, Nosebleeds, your number one source for all podcasts.